Wow, how is everybody today? That's awesome. Everybody's good. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, today is a huge, huge day. It's a historical day. Anybody know what today is? No idea. It's the first day of our live week. That was pathetic. Um, We've been working on this emphasis for many, many months, and uh, the next week, from Sunday to Sunday, we're going to be focusing on this theme, exposing white space in your life, making room for Sabbath. White space is a publishing term, and it has to do with how much print and how much no print goes on a page of paper. So just think about a phone book, not much white space. You stare at a phone book and it's just busy and it's confusing. Think of Apple packaging. One word and a lot of white space. Now, which is more pleasing? This isn't a trick question. (laughs) Which is more relaxing? Which is more pleasing? The Apple packaging. I'll give you the answer. Um, And that same principle works in our lives. So let me just ask you this, and you can answer and you can be honest. Does your life feel more like a phone book page or Apple packaging? I would say 98.9% of us would say the phone book, and the other 1.1% are lying and deceiving themselves. Um, We are busy. We we are so busy, and, and, and we need white space. Now, we're going to be, we're not looking at a particular text of Scripture, but the guys do have Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, raise your hand, they'll give you one, you can keep it, you can take it home, but we're going to be kind of racing through the entire corpus of Scripture today and looking at this whole idea of white space and rest. Now, as a church, we're building our ministry around three uh, main themes, grow, live, and display. Does that sound familiar? Heard that before? Grow, the idea is grow in your faith, grow in maturity, grow in Christ likeness. Live is about living in relationship with other people, live life together. And display is about sharing Christ, displaying Christ, displaying what He has done in your life with the unsaved, unchurched world. Grow, live, display. Last spring, Christian led us in a grow emphasis where we looked at listening kinds of evangelism. Uh, In the spring, Display is planning a a missions conference where we're going to focus on uh, displaying our faith out and what they're doing. This week is Live Week, exposing white space in your life. And this is how it's going to work. Now, if you tend to sleep during church, please wake up right now because (laughs) this is important. It's confusing. There's already been some confusion. But I want to explain how it's going to go. Starting tomorrow or maybe even late tonight, uh, we've created a series of videos for this week. These are all made in-house. They run from four minutes to 12 minutes, somewhere in that range. And each day, another video will be released on our website. We have a a YouTube page, and it'll be on the YouTube page. If you're on our church email list, you'll get an email tonight or tomorrow morning with the link to that video. Uh, It'll be on our Facebook page. Now, here is a screenshot of what our website will look like. There's a scrolling, there's pictures that just keep going across. When this picture comes up, 
click on it quick. And that takes you to the video. Or at the bottom, there's all these little icons. You see one that says YouTube there. Click on the YouTube icon anytime. It takes you to our YouTube page. And Monday's video will be there. Not Tuesdays, just Mondays. Tuesday, the next video comes up. Um, And if you still can't find them, call the church. Um, Did I get it all, Diana? Okay. We've been working hard to make sure this would work and this would roll out. Now, the idea is uh, these videos are will expand this topic of Sabbath and busyness and rest. And um, you, can, you can watch them yourself, watch them on your phone at work at lunch break, watch them together as a family, watch them as a couple, uh, gather some friends together and watch them, uh, pop some popcorn. I mean, they're pretty short, so I don't know if want to do all that. Um, but the idea is to, to expand this. Now, since we're talking about making white space and, and we're too busy, the last thing we wanted to do is schedule... Uh, a seminar at the church to take up more of your time. So we made these videos for you to watch on your own time. All right. Then Wednesday evening, Wednesday, there'll be no video. So you're going to get on there Wednesday morning and go, it's not working. Wednesday evening, we're all going to gather right here in the auditorium for a night of prayer. And we're going to focus. It's going to be a self-directed time of prayer. There's no public goings-on. Uh, we have some pr- prayer projects for you to work on as a, as a single person, as a couple, as a family. Bring your kids, uh, and you will work through these prayer projects to, to pray through what, is, what are you doing in your life that's too much? What do you need to reduce? What should you get rid of? What would God have you to reduce? So that's Wednesday evening. Then next Sunday morning, we're taking another look into Scripture, looking at this concept of rest And then next Sunday evening, a week from tonight, we're going to gather back here for Lord's Supper, a Lord's Supper potluck. There's a sign-up card in your bulletin for that. And after the Lord's Supper, we're going to do a Q&A on the things we've learned this week. Got it? All right. Let's jump into the message for the day. We as a culture, as a society, are too busy. Anybody disagree with that? The story is told of a recent immigrant to America who was learning English. And when people, he started to answer the question, people would say, how are you? He'd say, busy, very busy. And they asked him about it. He said, that's what everybody says when they're asked. It's, it's the new fine thank you. Busy, very busy. That's how we answer. And the problem with that is I think sometimes we're proud of that answer. Instead of being embarrassed or ashamed, we're proud of that answer. There's no white space in our lives. We frantically run from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, and at the end of the day, we fall into bed exhausted only to get up the next morning and do it again. And I suggest to you that's wrong. That's not how God intended us to live. So this morning, I want to suggest that at least one of the solutions to this busyness, this rat race, this hectic pace of life that we live, at least one of the solutions is something called Sabbath. We've probably heard that word before. We might know it was the seventh day of the week, Saturday, given to Israel as a day of rest. You might know Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. We may have some vague idea that Sunday became the new Sabbath or something like that. If you're a little older, you remember blue laws. Everything was closed on Sunday. Everything was closed. That's pretty much gone now except for the banks and the post office. 
Even Amazon delivers on Sundays now. You might have the attitude that I simply can't afford to take a day off. I can't afford to take a Sabbath. I have too much to do. My bills are piled too high. And and it's not that big of a deal anyway. That was for Israel. We're not Israel. Well, this morning we're going to to walk through what Scripture has to say about Sabbath. We're going to correct some misunderstandings. And I hope that we see that Sabbath really is a big deal. And it's not just for Israel. Some of what we're going to see this morning is that taking a Sabbath day, it's not just about a day off, it's, it's demonstrating a belief and a trust in God's provision and God's control of my life. When I stop for a day, I'm saying, I don't need to work to accomplish this. God's in control. Taking a Sabbath demonstrates contentment with what I can do in six days. What I can produce or make in six days. And and I could be content with that and take a day and be still. Taking a Sabbath provides white space to pursue the important relationships in my life. How many of us have said, and I actually just talked to a person this morning, and I said, man, we got to figure out some way to get together more often. Because there's never time. I mean, when you book a, a, a dinner with somebody, we're booking six weeks out to find an evening that's, and I'm not exaggerating, to find an evening that's free so we can get together. You with me? Anybody relate? And so Sabbath provides white space to pursue relationships. And I want to suggest to you that not taking a Sabbath is an act of unbelief, an act of disbelief. It's the same kind of disbelief that we saw last week in Hebrews 4, where where Israel did not enter into God's rest because of disbelief. And we're not entering into what God has provided for us as rest because of our lack of belief. We don't believe God can provide for us. We have to work overtime and we have to work two or three jobs because because we don't think really God can provide. Sabbath is about far more than a day off. Please, if you think Sabbath is a day to sit around and be lazy, get that out of your head. That's not biblical Sabbath. I think God's word is clear that Sabbath is still a rhythm that we need to practice in our lives. And that it's disobedient not to, because it demonstrates unbelief. That's my premise. Well, I'm going to prove it. You ready? Here's how we're going to get there. We're going to, we're going to look at, see Sabbath from creation, through the nation of Israel in the Old Covenant, through Jesus and his correcting false views of it, and on into the New Covenant, and on into eternity future. And then we'll pause and consider what this all means for us today in 21st century America. So here we go. Genesis chapter 1 tells us how God created the universe in six days. Heaven, earth, animals, plants, stars, man, woman. And then pick it up in chapter 2 and verse 1. And if you want to follow along in your Bibles, that's fine, but I'm going to be all over the place. The verses will all be up here in the screen. Thus the heavens and earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. 
I want us to see three aspects of Sabbath from this text, from this creation story. First of all, God establishes a life rhythm for all time. He doesn't call this Sabbath here, but Exodus 20 and Hebrews 4 tie Sabbath back to creation. He's clearly modeling a rhythm where you work for six days and you rest the seventh day. It's a seven-day rhythm. Other cultures have tried other rhythms, eight-day weeks, ten-day weeks. doesn't work. God's design is a seven-day week. He models this in creation week. Now, thousands of years after this, he will build on it, and he'll encode it in law for the nation of Israel. But this is thousands of years before Israel in creation week. But here it is, on the first few pages of the Bible, he creates for six days, and then he stops. That's an important point. That's the second aspect of Sabbath that I want us to see here, is that God stopped. Creation was finished. Now, was God's work done? No, he had a nation to build, he had salvation to provide, he had a church to take care of. God had a lot of work to do. The point is, he stopped on the seventh day. Now, he wasn't tired. It wasn't like, I've been working for six days, this creation stuff is just taking it out of me. He didn't, he didn't you know, binge watch Netflix and eat ice cream all day. He wasn't exhausted. That's not the point of Sabbath. What he was doing was establishing a life cycle rhythm for all time. The Hebrew word, root word for Sabbath means to stop or to cease. The point of Sabbath is to stop. Stop working. Stop building. Stop cleaning. Stop trying to get ahead. Stop washing clothes. Stop being a control freak. Stop, stop, stop. Does that mean your work is done? Let's get everything done so we can take a day off? It's never done. You close the laundry room door and you say, in 24 hours, I'll go back to it. It'll still be there. You close your computer screen and you say, you just stop. You quit the projects. You just stop, stop, stop. Does that sound good? Sabbath is a blessing. We've turned it into a burden, or or people have turned it into a burden, but this is something God wants us to do. Uh, Look at this quote from D.A. Carson. Don't fritter. Love that word. When you work, work hard. When you're not working, quit entirely. I think most of us live this way. Little work, little rest. Little work, a lot of work, a little bit. Little bit of rest. It's just all kind of mixed up. And so we never really relax. Instead of saying, I'm going to work hard, and then I'm going to rest for a day. That's God's rhythm. Third aspect of Sabbath is that God made the seventh day holy. Genesis 2, 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. We'll see this again in the Ten Commandments. The idea of something being holy is that it is unique, it is different, it is set apart for a different purpose. So when we say that God is holy, we mean he is unique, he is different. He is completely otherly than us. Totally, totally different. He is holy, he is set apart. 
So the Sabbath day is to be holy, it's to be unique, it's to look different than the other six days. Our days all tend to look alike, with a little variation here and there. Sabbath day is to look different. One out of seven is to be unique, it's to be holy, it's to be different. So God establishes, let's summarize, God establishes this one out of seven life rhythm right at creation. I believe he intends it as a pattern and a rhythm for how we're to live our lives also. Sabbath means to stop, it means to cease. And the Sabbath day is to be different. It's to look different than the other six because we stop. So let's keep moving. Sin enters the world. This is creation week. God establishes this rhythm at creation. Sin enters the world and everything changes. We don't know a lot about Sabbath from creation up till the nation of Israel. Uh, but um, starting in Genesis 12, we learn that God is going to create a nation of people that will embody his truth, that will embody his values, it'll, it'll, it'll reflect his character, and eventually it'll bring in a Messiah, a Savior who will rescue the world from sin. This nation's called Israel. And a lot of the first several books of the Bible deal with how this nation was to be put together, the laws, the, the, the worship system, um, and all of it embodying at some level God's character, God's values. He put his values into this nation. Some of his most important moral principles he put in what we know as the Ten Commandments. And the fourth commandment is the Sabbath command. Let's look at it uh, from Exodus 20. Sabbath command. There it is. Remember. First word, remember. Don't forget. Don't neglect this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Again, unique, different, set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, just in case some take the Sabbath as an excuse for laziness. God makes it very clear that we're to work hard for six days and then take a Sabbath day. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner that is within your gates. I think this hints at the importance of relationships on Sabbath. Everybody gets a break to rest, to have some white space to hang out. And build relationships. Even the servants. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So he's tying this, this fourth commandment, part of his Decalogue, Ten Commandments, he's tying it back to creation. Based on this creation principle in Genesis 2, therefore here is one of God's commandments. He codes it into law. The rhythm of work six days, rest one day. Work six days, rest one day. Cease from your labor. A day that was unique. Now, not only was there to be a Sabbath day every week for Israel, but every seventh year, they were to take a Sabbath year off. Doesn't that sound good? Work six years, take a year off. Work six years, take a year off. I think God knew what he was doing. Now, they were an agricultural society, so maybe it's a little bit different. But think about it. They ate what they grew. 
So for one year, they were not to grow any crops, any food. They were not to produce what they needed to sustain life. In Leviticus 25, God says, don't worry about it because I will so bless your crops in the sixth year that you'll have plenty of food for that seventh year and on into the first year of the next cycle. Here is one place where we see the reality of Sabbath being about trust. These people had to trust that God meant what he said. They had to believe that when he said, I'll bless the sixth year, I really will. This is a place where we see that ignoring Sabbath is really a horrible sin of disbelief. It's a sin of, I've got, I've got this covered, I can take care of it myself, uh, I know my own needs better than you do, God, and I think if I plant in the seventh year, it would really be good for the, you know, the bottom line, the income here, so I'm just going to go ahead and do this. Oh, do we realize how awful of a sin that is? To tell God he can't provide for me, he's not strong enough that I can handle it, and he can't. This is a horrible sin of unbelief. Israel didn't do so well on this. They got greedy, as you might expect. They didn't want to miss the income on that seventh year. They failed to trust God. They depended on themselves, and they pretty much totally ignored the Sabbath year throughout their history. God takes Sabbath so seriously that he came to them and said, okay, I'm going to send you into exile for one year of every Sabbath year that you ignored. And part of the reason they spent 70 years in exile was because for 490 years they ignored Sabbath year. Second Chronicles. You think God takes Sabbath seriously? You think it's more than about a day off and binge watching Netflix? This is about trust. It's about belief. And these, it's about greed, it's about control. And, and, and Israel said, I want to be in control of my own life. I'm going to ignore you, God, and do what I want to do. And I think when we ignore Sabbath in our own lives, we're doing the exact same thing. I need to work three jobs, God, because it's, you know the cabin up in Big Bear and the boat mortgage. And, so I've got to work this much to pay for all this stuff that I want that you haven't provided for me, but I've provided for myself because I know I need it. And we're telling God he's not big enough. By Jesus' day, the Sabbath had become this legalistic chain around people's necks. So they ignored it for a while, and then they just turned it into this burdensome thing. I mean, it was was beyond impossible to try to figure out what you could do, what you couldn't do in the Sabbath. They weren't allowed to drag a chair across a dirt floor on the Sabbath day. Like, what? Well... There was a prohibition against working, and that meant you couldn't plow. And so whenever you drag a chair across a dirt floor, it makes furrows in the dirt, and that's plowing, so you can't drag a chair across a dirt floor. I'm serious. That's the kind of stuff that you could only walk so far and no further. It was not a day of refreshment. It was a day of slavery. People were almost in bondage trying to figure out what they could do or not do on the Sabbath. 
And what's so ironic about that is that Sabbath is designed to prevent slavery in us. Tomorrow's video, don't miss tomorrow's video. I talk about how uh, Sabbath is about preventing slavery. We'll take a look at that. So Jesus comes along, and if you remember the Gospels, Jesus is always doing things on Sabbath day. He's always, I mean, he's just right in the face of the Pharisees. He heals people and he does things, and, and they, all these things that they think is illegal, but what Jesus is doing is he is demonstrating the original purpose of Sabbath. He's throwing out all this legalistic stuff, and he's, he's saying, this is what Sabbath is. There's a lot of passages in the, in the Gospels, but I just want to look at uh, Mark chapter 2. Uh, it's up on the screen there. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. You get that? The Sabbath is for man. It's for our benefit. Not man for the Sabbath. We're not serving the Sabbath. It's serving us. We're not slaves to the Sabbath. The Sabbath is actually preventing slavery in us. We're not out to save the Sabbath. The Sabbath is there to save us. It's not that we have to do Sabbath. It's not a, not a law that we're bound to. It's that we get to do Sabbath. Now let's jump way ahead to Sabbath and new creation. Uh, look at this verse, um, Isaiah 66, 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord. So we're talking about the new heavens, the new earth. So shall your offspring and your name remain from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath. So new moon to new moon would be like month to month. From Sabbath to Sabbath would be week to week. All flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. In the new creation... New heavens, new earth, everything's perfect, sin is gone, there's still Sabbath. Somehow. Now, I have no idea what it looks like. We, we hardly know what heaven's going to look like. But we see from Isaiah 66 that there will be Sabbath in new creation. Clearly indicating that Sabbath is an eternal rhythm that goes beyond this age, starts in creation and extends all the way into new creation. Look at this quote on the screen from a guy named Andrew Wiley. The Sabbath is the link between the paradise which has passed away and the paradise which is yet to come. The Sabbath bridges the very beginning of time at creation all the way into the future and a presumably forever and ever. Todd talked about this last week in Hebrews chapter 4. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people into the future. But we need to be certain that we enter in. In other words, there's no Sabbath rest if you don't know Jesus and you die in your sins and you spend eternity in hell. Sabbath rest is for those that believe Jesus, put their trust in him, and will go into that eternal Sabbath rest. Sabbath now is a reminder, is a taste of what we lost and what's coming. When we celebrate a biblical Sabbath day, we get this little taste of what it's going to be like someday. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound good? 
Okay, deep breath. Let's reflect for a minute. We have to ask some pretty serious questions at this point. And I know this was quick. And that's why we're taking a whole week on this, to let some of this absorb and soak in and think it and meditate on it and pray through it. Since God established Sabbath rhythm at creation, since he coded it into law for his chosen people Israel, and then Jesus freed it from the chains that the Jews had wrapped around it, and since there will be a Sabbath on into the future forever and new creation, do we really think that we in 21st century America are exempt? Do we really think that God designed this Sabbath rest for the first 10,000 years of history and then for all eternity? And for some reason, it doesn't apply to us today? Do we realize that the Ten, in the Ten Commandments, this, this statement of God's moral value system, keeping the Sabbath is in the same list as don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't have other idolatrous gods before me. Same list. Same set of values that God values. Do we realize that Sabbath is not bondage? It's not to be burdened down with all these rules and regulations and do's and don'ts, but in fact, it's freedom. It's a gift. It's a blessing. And I, and I guess the, the final question that we have to ask, are we convinced and are we convicted that ignoring Sabbath is sin? And if we aren't, I suggest we need to get there. This is something that's been growing in my life, in my wife's life. As I've studied this more and more, I realize this isn't just something, oh, it would be fun to do. This is something that God has designed for us. God has, has instituted it at the very dawning of creation. Something that he wants us to do. Something that he's given us as, as a blessing and a benefit. I think our neglect of Sabbath is one, is one of the reasons why there's so much apathy about Jesus. I think it's one of the reasons there's so much stress among followers of Jesus, why there's so much burnout. In this age now, we need Sabbath more than ever. Tuesday's video, uh, we're, we're going to unpack some of the reasons why this culture today, 2016, why this culture is so stinking busy. That's a theological term. <laughs> we are, there's reasons for it, but it's no excuse for ignoring Sabbath. In fact, I suggest that it indicates we need Sabbath more than ever. Again, Sabbath is so much more than taking a day off. I hope to unpack more of this next week. I plan to unpack more of this next week, but, but I want to... I wanna, wrap up with two important truths about Sabbath that we really need to see. And I've, I've hit, hit it already, but, but I just want to hit it again. Sabbath is about belief in trusting God. It's about Jesus first and foremost and only in our lives. Sabbath is a statement of trust in Jesus as the one who provides and the only one that can take care of me. 
Sabbath is about giving up control. Any control freaks in the room? No, I guess not. Okay. They're all in the 11 o'clock service. Um, Oh, aren't we all control freaks at some level? We want to run our own life. We think we know what's best. And Sabbath is about saying, no, Jesus is in control. Doing, doing Sabbath, taking a day every week of rest, it's not so much about our activity or our lack of activity or what we can do or what we can't do. It's about our attitude. It's an attitude of resting, an attitude of stopping, an attitude of dependence on God to provide. It's an attitude of contentment with what God has provided in six days and take this day to be still. Instead of working to get ahead and producing more and make more money, instead of having this Messiah complex, instead of having our kids in two and three and four sports and working two or three jobs, instead of, I can never, I can't say no to anything. We've got to learn to say no if we're going to do Sabbath. We have got to learn to say no. That's hard for us. Last week in Hebrews 4, we saw that Israel did not enter the promised land. The promised land for Israel was their, was their earthly Sabbath rest. They didn't enter it because of unbelief. They did not believe. They disbelieved God, and so they didn't enter. Entering God's rest requires belief, faith, trust. For Israel, 3,500 years ago, they failed. For the Hebrew believers that, that in Hebrews 4, 2,000 years ago, the writer is telling them, don't miss entering Sabbath rest. For us today, entering a weekly Sabbath day requires incredible trust. Second aspect of Sabbath that I want us to see that we'll unpack more, the Sabbath is about building relationships. I'm an introvert. So Sabbath for me is like, ah, oh, good. I can just cloister away all by myself and ignore people for a day, and it's okay. It's legal to do that. And the, more I, the more I study Sabbath, the more I realize that's a distorted view of it. Now, there may be times to do that. Us introverts need that time, right? Introverts, please nod with me. <clears throat> Sabbath is about community. Sabbath is about relationships. Sabbath is about loving one another. Sabbath is giving, it gives us white space to practice the great commands of Scripture. Love God and love people. When was the last time you could just sit and read your Bible with no deadline and just talk to God in a relaxed way? Sabbath gives us the white space to do that. So what are we going to do about this? Some of you know about what's going on in the Hay family this last year. Some of you don't. So I'm going to tell you a little story of our, of our year and how important Jesus' rest is. We have two kids. One lives in New Zealand, one lives in Oregon. Our New Zealand son got married in June in Australia. So we flew to Australia for a wedding, came home. Three months later, I walked my daughter down the aisle, 
in Oregon. That's enough for one year, right? (laughs) We weren't home a week, and I took my wife to the emergency room with a massive kidney infection and sepsis. A month ago yesterday, I brought her home. I think I almost lost her. I think it was that serious. I haven't even, I haven't even, we haven't even processed our kids being married, and now we're in the hospital. And I'm just, I'm just seeing all the things ahead. I, I, I was supposed to preach several weeks ago, missed it, because there was just no way. Uh, we were in the middle, I had to cancel part of the filming of these videos, because there was just no way. When we actually did film them, Don had been home from the hospital for less than a week. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the videos, and I look fine, I think. I mean, relatively, whatever you can do with this. Um, <laughs> but I was spent. I was exhausted. Now, we heard Bonnie's story, and we heard Mike's story. You, there, there's who knows how many similar stories out here sitting right here of trials and difficulties and hardships that you've gone through. And my point in telling you that is not for pity, it's, it's, to re, it's for you to realize that we have, we have grasped Sabbath more than ever these last months. We started taking a Sabbath day, not weekly, it's, it's tough, but we're working on it. And we start our Sabbath the evening before. Like t- tomorrow, tomorrow I'm taking, we're taking, calling it our Sabbath day. So tonight about dinner time, we're going to light this candle with three wicks in it. And in our, in our minds, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're going to light the three wicks, and we're going to let that candle burn all the way through our Sabbath. Now, fire, firemen, we will blow it out overnight <laughs> and, and relight it in the morning. But as long as that candle is burning, we have this sense of being on Sabbath. Now, some things don't look a whole lot different. But there's an attitude that's different. There's, there's an attitude of stopping. I was telling some of the guys here that, that we, a couple weeks ago we had a, a Friday night, Saturday Sabbath time, and we actually had a, a, a counseling appointment that evening. And we thought, you know, that's okay. Because Sabbath is Relational. And it's okay, we lit our candle, and then the couple came, and we talked for a while, and they left, and, and it was all part of Sabbath. I think six months ago, I said, no way am I counseling on my Sabbath day off. You see the selfishness of that? You see the meanness about that? Sabbath is a gift. Now, this week, we're going to talk a lot about the mechanics of doing a Sabbath. We're going to give you a ton of suggestions about what it might look like, how to reduce busyness, how to, how to deal with it. Um, videos are fun. I hope you watch them. Um, they're going to be on the website forever or whatever for a long time, and so you can, you can catch them later. But, but work with us this week. Let's work together as a church body. We've been praying as pastors that there would be just this big, deep breath that Cornerstone Church takes. And we learn to rest in Jesus because he is our perfect rest. Everybody's got stress. 
Everybody's got issues you're dealing with. But don't let the mechanics of Sabbath drown out the reality that Jesus is our rest. And we can rest in him. And he provides strength and he provides peace when there is no strength and there is no peace. Oh, Lord Jesus. What a privilege. What an honor. What a, what a responsibility to dig into your word and to see things that we've missed. And we look around and we go, maybe, <clears throat> maybe there's some of these problems in life and some of the stress in life because we've missed this. So Lord, may this week be a, a, a restart, a, a, a regrouping <clears throat> in our own individual lives as, as people, as couples, as families, as a church body. May there be more white space so we can do the things that you've called us to do. May we prayerfully, carefully evaluate what we're doing to see what it is we shouldn't be doing. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that each person here hears your voice, not mine, but hears your voice speaking to them. And regardless of what's come out of my mouth, may every person hear what they need to hear from you for your glory, for your honor, so that we exalt the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.